Hey. Hi. You know what song I got stuck in my head earlier? And I'm oh, going to get it stuck no. in your head? Toxic. No, that's a good one. Did you know they have a like a mashup of Toxic and a Pony? Pony? Yeah. What, pony? Isn't it pony? pony? What's Pony? Pony, a song. By, by who? By Genuine. Oh. Right in. Mm. Pony. Yeah. There's a, like a mashup that's apparently like TikTok has made famous. Right in. And, that's I Toxic. Heard, I don't know. No. What? No, they don't it's go the background. together. Oh, it's the background of... It's uh, the background for me. It's the background for me. It's the for me for me. Um, the background of like the... Womp, 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 and then like toxic over the top of it too. It's pretty good. Hmm. Um, I heard it at uh, Trivia Night this week and I was like... Do you do trivia every week now? Um, I don't do you know. do it with your, your Jimmy people? Who? Your Jims? Oh, I was like, who's Jimmy? No, um, I do it with Alan and his sister and his friend Henry. Oh, Henry. Henry. We actually do pretty well. Where is it? Uh, the Barking Pig. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. We what have, day of the week is it? A Tuesday. Wow. Club going up on a Tuesday. And you guys stay out until 4 in the morning? No. The tree is done at like 9.30. What? What? What sort of uh, trivia have you been doing? So the I have an addition to um, trivia. When we were saying it's the for <clears throat> me for me earlier, mm-hmm. uh, this tweet was: I want Gen Z Jeopardy, and instead of saying what is, they say it's giving. <laughs> it's giving answer. <laughs> it's giving. I like that. Who said Hume? It's for me. It's giving Trixie Mattel. <laughs> I like that. It's the for me, for me. It's the for me, for me. I like that. So what else did you do to week, this, this week? Did week. To week. Um, what have I done? What have I done? Oh, I went out on uh, Sunday at evening, did Sunday fun day um, with you. I was, I was, gonna, I was there. Okay. That's not part of this week. The week starts on Monday. Well, the week, no. The week starts after the last time we podcasted. Because mm. my next question was going to go, what did you do for Canada Day? Oh, my God. And that was last Friday. I so unless, if, if you <laughs> want Monday to be the day, then we don't have to talk about Canada Day. We need well, to talk about because, 4th of July. Well, I do. Because. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Not very many people wish me a happy Canada Day. I did. Yes, you and did. And that's all that matters. Um, we'll go with yeah. <laughs> we'll go with yeah. Final answer? Uh, oh. <laughs> we don't know anymore. Yeah, we, we hung out. You and my family and uh, your Boyfriend. I don't have a boyfriend. Oh my god, you're not boyfriends yet. Okay. I don't, I don't have a boyfriend. Huh? Yeah, I said it on the podcast. I'm gonna keep saying it. I'm gonna take it out. Okay. <laughs> and Benny Kendall. <laughs> yeah, he's an avid listener. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> Hi. Are you embarrassed yet? No. <laughs> Who's embarrassed? Me? Who? <laughs> I'd be embarrassed for him. <laughs> what? Because he's talking to me. Yep. You're right. <laughs> Anyways, 
Um, and then we painted our nails. Yeah, they still look okay. Hey, this, this one could do a little better. But that's also because I've been picking at the um, the nastiness that's going on by it to try and make it better. Yeah. And it's helped. I also uh, ripped apart your nail, but then I got a hangnail too. <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> hey, I got rid of the hangnail. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. On mine? Yeah. Oh. Uh... I don't know. It's just the nail has to grow back in now. It would have been hurting. <laughs> so something's still in there. Yes, I'm flicking you off, not showing you. <laughs> well, fuck you too, for just Christ's kidding. sake. <laughs> we did that, and then Saturday I went to a play. Oh, did you? In How the morning? That? <laughs> oh, uh, you. We stayed up late that night. I know. And we had some beverages. I know. Just, I had a lot of tequila that night. You drank tequila here? Yes. <laughs> Did you? You found tequila. Oh. I At least that's what I was drinking. drinking. We're all having gin and tonics. No. I yeah, had Friday to... we're talking about. I had tequila. Oh. Oh. Well, I think you only had one tequila drink because then Tom started pouring, just pouring drinks. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. I thought I had tequila the entire time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. At least it tastes like tequila, so unless you got some funky gin. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my drag name. Funky, funky gin. gin. <laughs> funky gin and the go-go juice. Funky gin and the go-go juice. <laughs> no. <laughs> it has to be a multiple for the last name because it's a band, so it's funky gin and the... The go-go juice. <laughs> and the tonics. <laughs> funky gin and the tonics? Mm-hmm. Funky gin and the terrific tonics. And then you can do tonics, and then you have a guest with lime. Oh, yeah, with lime. Mm-hmm. But tonics is T-O-N-I-X. Oh, she's funky. We're real funky. Oh, no, yeah. it's T-O-N-I-C-K-S. T-O-N-I-C-K. Oh, because there's a K in there. Tonics. Or you could do, like, Jinx Monsoon. T-O-N-I-K-X-S. Tonics. <laughs> yeah. Periods. And then uh, for the 4th of July. No, that wasn't the 4th of July. Monday. That was the 3rd. The 3rd. We all went out. We went out. We had a great time. We did. We had a babysitter. You had a babysitter, so you got to go do crazy things. And then, um, oh, I also went to a party. A housewarming party. In the morning? Or after? <laughs> When did I do that? You survived after Sunday fun day and did something else? No. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. I did it Saturday. Oh. Saturday, Saturday, mm. Saturday, Saturday. Mm. Yeah. It was um A rootin' rootin' good time. It was fun. It was it was fun. But what else happened to you? And then the girls have just been in Bible camp all week. Oh. And so I've just been I've been doing this. Walking around, tra- traipsing with your, your limp wrist. <laughs> Went furniture shopping two days in a row. Where are you, fur- what are you, where are you putting furniture? Not for us. Oh, yes. Well, sorry. we did look for a patio table. Okay. I was like, um, I don't know. Also, I, no, since you've ruined this table. Oh, yeah. Scratched it with my nail. I just looked at it and just, <laughs> just scratched itself. It. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness! Uh, well, no, I don't live a very um, 
Oh, well, after Sunday Funday, I was very hungover on Monday. Uh, quite ill. Um, and so I laid in bed most of the day on 4th of July. So that's how I celebrated America's uh, idea of Independence Day for some. Hmm. Mm. Sounds like you're very proud. I'm proud to be alive. How about that? Currently. And? And? And gay person that got to go out to the gay bars on Sunday and celebrate my life. And um, emaciated? No. Oh, just because I'm so thin. No. (laughs) Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna entertain that anymore. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What about you? What? What do you mean? What else did you do this week? I just told you. What did you do? the other days. Oh, apply for jobs and oh. trivia and uh, worked at, uh, went, went to the gym. I live a pretty boring life currently. I saw a dead body. <laughs> I did. What? I saw a dead body. Okay. Are you going to tell me this story? Nope. Or are you just going to keep saying I saw a dead body over I and over again? I saw a dead body. Uh-huh. I was going to okay, get but this look, though. How does this look? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? A dead body? This looks good. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what are you serious? Yeah. You know what? On forty-five North, the fifty-nine ramp that goes up and around. Yeah. And there's that little field right there. Yeah. I was passing by, and I said, "Well, that's a lot of um, police forensic units." There was like three of them, and a police car. And were you going up the ramp? No. Oh. I was going north. Yes. I know what. I gotta stop that. Hold oh. on. Can you? Anyways, yeah, so let's get started with the podcast. Are you gonna. <laughs> <laughs> have we not been recording this entire time? Yeah, we have. Okay. Um, yeah. It's the hair flip for me. Well, I have such <laughs> luscious curls. Oh my god. Not the curl. It's getting comfy. Get it comfy. Drag this blanket down and sit on the pillow and the cushion. He's comfy. Look at the comfy oh boy. God, he's so he comfy. A, a little dork. And making a job. Oh, now he's making biscuits? He's comfy. He's getting everything. Sometimes, well, for the longest time, I was like, girls, if you use the blanket, you have to put it back. <laughs> And it was him the whole time. <laughs> so you were yelling at him instead. Come fold this blanket. They were like, we didn't, didn't touch it. it. Well, somebody did. Well, it was him. <laughs> Can you see me? Nope. <laughs> yeah, so there was uh, just, three sorry. forensic uh, police units. And I was like, huh. And I was looking did at the Did it field. say forensics on it? Yeah, forensic mm. crime scene. What time was this around? Like one in the afternoon. Oh, perfect Oh, no, timing. no, no. Three. Well, still, perfect timing to dump a dead body, you know? Yeah. Um, And so then I was like, well, look, there's cones. There's lots of forensic crime units. And so then I was like, well, I'm look a little further back. And I saw a blue sheet. Oh, uh, good. So it was covered. Yeah. But you still saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, so, I mean, there's, there's a cycling cast of players that hang out underneath that uh, bridge, mm-hmm. the uh, unhoused people. Mm-hmm. And I looked up it, it up later on HPD's Twitter, and they were like, male in his 30s. 
So You're like, oh, I know him. I think I I thought I did, <laughs> but it wasn't. I saw him today, so okay. it wasn't him. I'm like, okay. But I was like, oh no, because yeah. he's deteriorated a lot. Yeah. Over the past two years. Yeah. He's the one you may have seen him before. The one with the pump, the big bun. No. I probably have, but didn't really register it. There's, there was one um, that spent time over at our, where I used to live, right over here in the third ward. And uh, he had, like, something real wrong with his leg. And then I just stopped seeing him. I'm like, oh, no, what happened? And then I saw him again. But he had a wheelchair this time. So I'm like, oh, look, you're back. Oh, the guy right there on... Um... Calumet in uh, 288. Oh, I've seen him on Elgin in 288, too. That's probably, yeah, that's pretty close. So it could be him. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. No, we shouldn't use that. <laughs> You're an abomination. I am. Oh, gosh, I am. Um, what you been reading about? Uh, ooh, uh, what have I, I haven't read anything, um, lately. I, uh, read some facts or facts, America. I actually rewatched season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. You've been talking about that for like 30 years. Have I talked about it on the podcast though? Yes. Okay. Then never mind. I want to talk about that. Um. <clears throat> oh, you actually did read something. I guess I gave, I showed you this one already, didn't I? It's. Oh my god, that person is dead. Um, no, That's what? less than six seconds, right? What? We're not going to copyright for that. Oh, I mean, yeah, it was fine. As long as, especially if it's Beyonce, then we'll get really sued. Um, memes. Uh, the new format that I, um, first of all, it's really stupid, but all the memes about minions um, have been cracking me the fuck up. Like I've it's just obnoxious, and they're like a they're girl dressed up as one, like realistically. Oh and yeah, I was like, oh. oh yeah. It's and some of them are um, all sexual, which is not the funny ones. Uh, but the ones that I've enjoyed are like the idea of like minions being animals in like the real world, and how people are, like eating the minions, and like it's really funny. It's funny. <laughs> some of them. It's giving funny. It's giving funny. Um, but what's the, oh shoot what's the meme format that's been cracking me up lately? The he's a ten, but no, that it, I don't find that funny at I all. I don't think it's that funny. I don't find that funny at all. It's annoying. Um, that's the most recent one that I've seen going hmm. around. Oh, there's a lot of shirtless boys. Okay, that's still shirtless people. All right, okay. I'm too thirsty for my own good. Jesus. Okay. Wow, that's a deep scroll you're in. <laughs> oh God, this is amazing. <laughs> Oh no! Oh gosh! Okay, <laughs> I just need to stop. Hmm. Oh, have you seen these girls? So they go to McDonald's, and one of the blonde one gets a Happy Meal, and she always makes sure that her toy is displayed. And the other one makes cocktails <laughs> in the McDonald's <laughs> inside of it, and they're both just like dead faced the entire freaking time. It's just it's very entertaining. Like this one, she has sunglasses on the entire time. She didn't do anything. She just sits there and eats. I want to see her put the toy out. She's already done. Oh, she already did. Oh, this one here. Is she making a sangria? 
She's uh, making a daiquiri. No, it's some sort of uh, like fruity cocktail. Are they Russian? I don't. I, I they assume don't look some, American. No, and that's what the, people were analyzing their meal as well. Because uh, they were like, you can't get the the crispy, fresh, something like that. I don't know, whatever it was, um, in the United States. So they're like, there has to be some like Eastern European situation. Um. Oh Lord, I do if not you were know. an Eastern uh, European nation, what nation would you be? Bosnia. Okay. I don't know. Is that Croatia? I'd go with Croatia. No, I'd go with. Bosnia had a lot of wars. I yeah, that's I don't. Bosnia. I don't want that anymore. Um, I feel like you'd be like Albanian, Yugoslavia, yeah, Albania. I'd probably do Albania. So like not really anything happening. There. I'll be Albania. I like that. That's a final answer for me. Okay. It's be, the final answer for me. It's the for me for me. <laughs> I'm gonna be San Marino. That's not very Eastern European. Is it an island? No, it's a micronation. Oh. Because I'm so skinny. Ooh. <laughs> skinny oh. bitch. Shut up. <laughs> oh. Let me tell you what else I've been into. Okay, today. keep going. Uh, I'm going to keep scrolling and try and find some. Tier lists and icebergs of philosophers. Why? Because I'm going to start reading philosophy. Oh, are you? Uh-huh. Like um, Socrates and Socrates. Pluto and... Socrates and Beryl. Yeah. Uh, testiculies. I don't know that I want to go Wait, that far on. back, though. I'd rather have somebody else read that and then Marxism. regurgitate it to me. Marxism. Regurgitate it? Regurgitate it. Regurgitate it. Maybe Marx. There's this guy, David Hume. Sun Tzu. He was not on any of the lists. Oh. Wait, didn't he... Uh, Confucius. Didn't he do some philosophy stuff? No, he was an art of war guy. Isn't that like a, a semi-philosophy? Or did he really just say, "Okay, you gotta, a, you gotta do this book"? Mm. Okay. No, he was like, "Listen, what you here's here's all you got to do is all you got to do is you just gotta go ahead and do the war, and then you gotta put the people and do the thing." Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna find anything, but oh, this video also cracks me up. Hold on, let me make it start again. <laughs> it's really silly. I didn't realize what was happening the first couple of times I watched it. And then they just start dancing. And they're like, I love this. <laughs> at first, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? They're not doing a good job at bumping. And then I looked up and saw the girls like, oh. And then it started and I was like, I don't think she was doing anything. Is there anything. a song? Uh, I don't know. I had the volume turned down. But I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what that, that cracked me up. I gave up looking for the trend because I like too many um, thirst traps. Are they thirst traps? Yeah. Or they're thirst traps. <laughs> Where are you going with this? Thirst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be there, but it didn't come <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever yeah mm -hmm. happy birthday oh yeah oh it's not my birthday your birthday is closer than mine was no it's false no your birthday is still closer than mine is it's hold it? on let's do the math carry the two <laughs> and do the one you're closer i think i'm still closer technically for now <clears throat> next week not so much next week will be a little different i'm dying on the podcast <laughs> it's fine
that's, what, that's exactly what you would start doing. <laughs> Please. And I'd be like, oh my god. Everything's fine in here. <laughs> and you're Nobody like, okay. get any help. Chris, stop talking. So I'm just going to go to bed. Uh, just don't come through here. <laughs> Did you ever watch Ozarks? You haven't watched Ozarks no. anyway. So. You've been talking about it. Well, I'm done with it now. Oh. So this old lady. This old lady. Uh-huh. Uh, that old lady. Old lady. This uh, um, a farmer of bad Beats? stuff. Oh. Bad Oh. She comes over and she's like, to the the people that are Into working the with the cartel. Oh. And she's like, how dare the you The cartel for corn, bad stuff. Yeah. Corn oh. syrup is bad stuff. Anyway, she has a heart attack in front of her. And the woman comes over and she goes, oh my god. With the old lady? Yeah. Well, she says something and she's like, sits down right in front of her and just like, looks at her. And you don't know if she calls 911 or not. Oh. And then the episode ends. I was like, oh, I love that. What? What's the the home improvement noise? Wait, you're better at it than me. I never watched that. It's like that. I don't know what that is. Tim Allen? I never watched that. Do you think Tim Allen is a Republican? Probably. Fuck Tim Allen. Isn't that why he's not in, in the movie? In the Toy Story anymore? He was never in the Toy Story, was he? Wasn't that Tanks? Tom, Tanks. T- Tom, I thought that was Tim Allen. No. Tim Allen was in the movie Christmas with the Cranks. Uh-huh. Which is an allegory for communism. Okay. I read a lot of stuff on the internet. Filmography. Filmography. Yeah, it's Buzz Lightyear. mm what? He's Buzz Lightyear. He's... Well, Woody is Tom Hanks then. Maybe. Tom Hanks is? No. How did Tim- you find that so fast? Timothy Allen. Disgusting. You got a friend in me. Oh, I can't say that. Disgusting. Um, How come he didn't have an easy just Why did you just do film? Tim Tim Hanks. Tim Tim Honks. <laughs> Tim Honks. <laughs> Tim Honks is a. <laughs> it would have to be Tim Honks, not Tim Honks. Tim Honks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see uh, Trixie and Katya talking to Alyssa Edwards and saying who they're cele- who asking Alyssa who her celebrity kiss who she'd love it to be? No, <laughs> it's so funny. Well, I've seen the episode that she's on with on. Uh, no, she's not on. With no, Ma, it's on she? like a, a. It's like on a VH1 special or something. Uh-huh. But they ask her, and she says, um, "I think it would be who's the actor from? Um, and, you know, when I watched Forrest Gump, I just loved." Tom Hanks, and they were like, "What the fuck, you she psycho! A, you were a psycho." She had a crush on Tom Hanks. And she says, "You just don't understand Forrest because Cup. you are not a woman of sophistication, <laughs> class, and integrity." And I feel like the kiss from Tom Hanks would be gentle. It would be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You know, but I mean, it's Aless- Alessa Edwards. Alas, Edwards. It is Tom Hanks. T. Hanks. 
No. <laughs> T honks. Tam. Tam honks. Tam honks. <laughs> Tam honks. We love Tam honks. Oh, that's good. Well, are you uh, ready to talk about uh, what we came, what we, what we, what we do on the podcast? Oh, well, yeah, but if I'd you, also you, like if to. You, if, you, if you would, you if you could, you. I would think you, you should you could do also anything? think some people before we do that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. Do you want to do that? <laughs> I feel like I'm it would be good. <laughs> uh, recent Gallup polls have shown that Americans have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger in the highest levels in over a decade. While we are growing more and more aware of the effects of stress on our bodies and minds, we may not have considered the effects that our stress can have on our pets. According to studies, there is a synchronization between stress hormones in humans and their dogs. If you're a dog parent, you probably know that your pup is very good at reading your body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. We're always working to reduce our own stress in any way that we can, but what about the anxiety we may have passed on to our dogs? Big Bones has a solution. CBD has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs, and Big Bones has your dog covered. Made from organic human stress, human grade ingredients and full spectrum <laughs> hemp oil, their bones may offer some relief to your anxious puck. Check out bigbones.com for more information on CBD. <laughs> this has gone terribly. Oh, <laughs> CBD for dogs and other benefits it may provide. Big Bones offers free shipping on all orders over $25, and you can save 15% using promo code SPOOPY15. SPOOPY15! <laughs> Big Bones is LGBTQ-owned and operated and is based in Houston, Texas. Big Bones proudly donates 10% of all profits to no-kill shelters in the U.S. Need your bones ASAP or want to support small businesses? Big Bones are now available at Man Ready Mercantile in the Houston Heights or at Man Ready Mercantile on South Congress Street in Austin. Big Bones! <laughs> I can't fucking look at you, and then I, I'm not reading today. You're in your anxious puck. What? <laughs> oh I'm gosh! Still just, I'm just traumatized uh, from seeing the dead body. Yeah. <laughs> you poor thing. All right. You want to go first? I have to. <laughs> this is my life's work. Oh, all right. Well, then let's talk about some spoopy things. Spoopy things. Things. I'm sorry, that's just me and my anxious puck. <laughs> Stupid. I swear. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christo. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. Lo oh, that's loud. Oh, whoa. All right. Um, we're still on the level three. Tier three. third level of the uh, depraved serial killer iceberg. Have a listen. Mm -hmm. And this is where I would like cut it and then cut back into our podcast and be like, <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. About Andre Chikatilo. Andre? Andre? Andre. Andre. There's going to be a lot of Russian stuff in here. That yeah, I know. That's why when I was that. reading it earlier, I was like, um... So I'm going to do the whole thing in a Russian accent, <laughs> oh, but it's Ukrainian. So uh, yeah. I don't know the difference. <laughs> What's the, there's different dialects. But the, that's the, you what have I to be serious. Dialects. You have to be very serious about that. Um, yeah. I, I fully was like, I feel like I've heard this, but I've also heard Spencer do a lot of things about Eastern Europe and Russia. So people be crazy over there. They, people be crazy everywhere. They do. But, but, we just hear about the it more The world here. is a different place in Eastern Europe. 
The world spins a little bit differently. I think it spins a it spins just a little bit slower, and they live a peaceful life. Yep. But not right now. But not right now. <laughs> yep. It's too soon. It's too soon. All right. So Andre anyway. Chikatilo. <laughs> and I'm sure that Chikatilo. Chikatilo. Probably has a better saying than it. Because it sounds Chikatilo. like Chikatilo. I don't know. Sounds like a river. Sounds like a... like in a Missouri. Like a creature. <laughs> the river. It's a Pokemon. It is. is that... Chikatilo. You go, Chikatilo. He's a bad man. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a bad man. Well, you gonna tell me about him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he was born on the 16th of October, 1936, in Yablochny. Um, in you. the U- <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, in Ukrainian USSR. Um, he was born into the time of famine caused by Stalin's collectivization of agriculture. Um, his parents were both collectivist farmers, and they all lived in a one-room hut. They received no wages, and instead received the right to farm a small plot of land behind their hut. So they made no money, but they were like, you can farm for us. You have to farm for yeah, us. sorry. But you could also farm for yourself if you'd like. hmm For no money. hmm We built you a hut. I don't know what the hut was made out of. But you got one. In Ukraine. Uh-huh. It's a little cold. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they seldom had food. Chikatilo claimed that he never ate bread until he was 12. Mm. Um, and Ukraine is like the uh, wheat capital of the world. Yeah, I know. Hmm. Um, they would often eat grass and leaves in order to stave off hunger. Throughout his childhood, his mother told him that he used to have a brother... But the brother was kidnapped and eaten by neighbors. Oh. So we're, we're going out. So we got cannibals. Coming in here strong. I love cannibals, you know? Uh, during, oh, during WWII, uh, Chikatilo's <laughs> World War II. For those w- that are w- in the know. I- I, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, Chikatilo's father was. Well, he's a, we. <laughs> <laughs> during. We. During the we. <laughs> um. I'm actually an AI, mm-hmm. and I'm just reading it verbatim. <laughs> During the well, we <laughs> During the WWI, Chica Tillo's father was conscripted. <laughs> he would later be captured and taken prisoner. Uh, between 1941 and 1944, Chica Tillo lived through the Nazi occupation of Ukraine, which I did not contemplate. Because, I mean, yes, the Russian, or the um, Germans put a front into Russia. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was USSR. Yeah. And so Ukraine was just fully part of it. So they weren't... They got close to St. Petersburg or Moscow? No, I think they got close to Moscow, if I remember correctly. So they went through all of Ukraine and mm-hmm. captured all of that territory. Mm-hmm. So they captured Ukraine, not Russia. Mm-hmm. They, ca- they captured Ukraine and did not... They did not capture Russia, no. Is that what you're... What you're yeah. saying? And I, it didn't make the assumption. Yeah. Because at the time, Ukraine was not a separate country. Yes. Um, but yeah, so they were under Nazi occupation. I knew Poland was. Yes. But Ukraine, it didn't make any sense to me because I was just not thinking about Ukraine being a different nation at that time, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> did you think about that? No. I just am so into philosophy now. Um, I like history. Well, I like eggs. That's just because you you look old. Uh-huh. Uh, he survived 
whores, like bombings and fires and whores. Whores. <laughs> Um, that his mother and he would constantly hide from. They were forced to watch their hut be burned to the ground. Uh, Chikatila was also a, a chronic bedwetter and was berated by his mother for this. So he, that's one of the that's one of the things that we talked things. about. It's one of the, the things that I don't remember the words. A, a trauma. Tra- a, no. A sign of trauma. A sign of yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But also a sign of uh, terrible things. Yeah. Terrible things to come. Oh, that God. and the. That not so much as the the hurting of the animals, but yeah. they they do happen concurrently sometimes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. Um, in nineteen thirty nineteen forty three, his mother had another child, a baby girl, Tatiana. Uh, it is suspected that the child was born out of an instance of rape by German soldiers because it's nineteen forty three and his dad has been missing since nineteen forty one. Mm-hmm. Um, in the following year, he began school. Uh, teachers noted him to be a decent student, but shy. He was also terribly undernourished, so he received attention from school bullies, and that led him to a passion for reading and memorizing data. Um, yeah, they this... made it to Moscow. All the way to Moscow? Mm-hmm. Wow. This is what I'm seeing here. I and thought they didn't make it to the made... actual, like, within miles of the city, but not well, no, yeah, to so the they, city. They, they did not conquer Moscow, so this is where... Like the green is like the furthest they made it into. They made it like to the Black Sea. So isn't this all Ukraine here? Yeah. So basically, yeah, Ukraine. Wow. Because this is Crimea, right? Mm-hmm. Crimea. 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 <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, he memorized stuff because his he had uncorrected myopia. Um, so he couldn't see the board. In school, so he was just like, "Well, oh, I'm just gonna memorize this stuff then." So that, like, he couldn't he couldn't see the board. Yeah. So he just memorized whatever they'd be talking about. Hmm. Um, into his teens, he was a successful student and a model communist. I spelled model M O D L E. Ooh, uh, mm. a modly, <laughs> modly, modly. He was appointed editor, editor of the school newspaper at 14 and chairman of the Pupils Communist Party Committee at 16. Uh, he was tasked with organizing of street marches. He was the only student from his collective farm to complete their final year of study in 1954. The only one. In his... Nobody graduated but him. In his village? Yeah. How big was his village? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't <clears throat> go that far. That's fine. Um, he applied to for a scholarship at Moscow State University and passed the entrance exam with decent scores, but was rejected because of his father's war record. You see, when his father was captured during the war, the Soviet government took that as being a traitor. <laughs> at least that's what he claims. Oh, boy. The university says that his scores were just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not attempt to enroll in another university and instead moved to Kursk, where but he's he, also the only one who graduated. That should be like a, hey, look. <laughs> I think they don't care about that. They don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, especially in Soviet Russia. They fully were just like, uh, oh. It's a wambulance. <laughs> Woo! Um, the wee-woo. The wee-woo, wee-woo wagon. <laughs> um, what was it saying? Oh, Soviet Russia. They're just fully like, uh, yeah. Uh, we only like the people that we like, and we're going to give them uh, opportunity to come learn things. You just a farmer, not so much. I don't care. But I feel like they would be like, you can't come to the university, but you can be like council person of your entire state. Mm. We'll just give that to you. You can. You want Ukraine? 
You haven't. <laughs> you are now the, the the prime minister of Ukraine. The chairman. The chairman. Of there you go. Ukraine. Mm. Um, he went to Kursk and labored for three months before enrolling in a vocational school to become a communications technician. Upon completion, he moved to the Urals in the city of Nizhny Tagil uh, to work on a long. That's probably close. Sure. I think. Uh, to work on a long-term construction project, um, and he was doing correspondence courses with the Electrotechnical Institute of Communication in Moscow. Moscow. Until he was drafted in 1957, because you had to do compulsory military service. Were they in a war? No, it was just compulsory. Oh. You had to do it. Between uh, lots of countries, lots of yeah, countries I know. do that. Between 1950- but I don't know if they call it drafted. It's just you are enlisted for two years and then you're done. I don't know. It's weird. Do you think you'd make it in the military? No. Do you see these sissy hands? I think I could do it. Could you? Yeah. Mm-mm. Tough as nails. I am. I am. I'm very tough. <laughs> uh, he was first assigned to serve with the border guards in Central Asia and then to a KGB communication unit in East Berlin. Here, his work was recorded as unbl- his work record was unblemished, and he joined the Communist Party shortly after his before his military service ended in 1960. Like the official like political party. Yeah. Oh. Um, he completed his service and returned to his native village to live with his parents, and he soon became acquainted with a young divorcee. Their three-month relationship ended after several unsuccessful attempts at intercourse, which the the woman innocently asked her friends for advice as to how Chikatilo could overcome his inability to maintain an erection. Oh. Uh, As a result, most of his peers discovered his impotence and in 1993 interview regarding the incident, Shikatilo said, quote, Girls were going behind my back, whispering I was impotent. I was so ashamed. I tried to hang myself. My mother and some young neighbors pulled me out of the noose. Well, I thought that no one would want such a shamed man. I was, so I had to run away from there, away from my homeland. Oh. After several months, he found a job as a communications engineer in a town located north of Rostov-on-Don. He relocated to the Russian SFSR, which is Russian Soviet Federation of something. Yeah, I don't SR? know. S of the Republic. Yeah. Of Soviet Republic. Soviet <clears throat> Federation of Soviet Republic. Maybe. <laughs> In 1961, renting a small apartment close to his workplace. The same year, his younger sister Tatiana finished her schooling and moved into his apartment. His the parent, drag queen, Tatiana? T-A-T-Y-A-N. Oh, gosh. This is not Tatiana. It's Tatiana. 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 Uh, I had a customer. Her name was Tatiana. Like T-E-T-Y-A-N-A. She's like, people are always calling me Tatiana. No, she was uh, very uh, Eastern European. She's like, of some people sort. are always calling, calling me Tatiana. Tatiana. <laughs> um, Tatiana lived with uh, her brother for six months before marrying a local youth and moving into her uh, in-law's home. She noted nothing onward, uh, untowards with regard to her brother's lifestyle, being his, just except that he was shy, um, and decided to help him find a wife and start a family. Um, 
In... That might be difficult. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh, oh. I'll tell you how it happened. I was going to say that might be hard, but that's uh, not it. Oh. I'll tell you how it happened. <laughs> oh, boy. In 1963, Chikatilo married a woman named Feodosia Odnacheva to whom he had been introduced by his younger sister. According to Chikatilo, although he was attracted to Feodosia, his marriage was effectively an arranged one, which occurred barely two weeks after they had met. Oh, wow. And which they had decisive roles. Um, The decisive roles were played by his sister and her husband. Uh, Chikatilo later claimed that his marital sex life was minimal and that after his wife understood that he was unable to maintain an erection, they agreed she would also would conceive by him ejaculating externally and pushing his semen inside her vagina with his fingers. Oh. The old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way. And they had turkey bases around this time, right? But you've got fingers. <laughs> Use them. Uh, 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 uh. The old-fashioned way, just like the Greeks taught us. <laughs> just like your mom and dad. <laughs> In 19- How's a test too, baby? Thank you. Just kidding. Hmm? <laughs> um, in 1965, Theodosia, Theodosia gave birth to a daughter, Lyudmila. Um, four years later, in 1969, a son named Yuri was born. So... <laughs> they, they made it work. They did make it work. Interesting. That's crazy. Good for them. How fertile is she? Yeah. She's like... <laughs> just finger it in just there. Just put it... Just get a little bit in there. It's fine. Get the baby juice inside. <laughs> I'll do the rest. Or I guess how fertile was he that... <laughs> or both. I guess so. Just He got some swimmers. Ew. Chikatilo chose to enroll as a correspondence student at Rostov University in 1964, studying Russian literature and philo- philology. I didn't bother to look up what that is. Um, he obtained his degree in the subjects in 1970. Uh, shortly before obtaining his degree, he got a job uh, managing regional sports activities. And he was there for a year before he began his career as a teacher of Russian language in... Historical development and relationships of languages. So he's language. He's an English teacher. A Russian teacher. He's a, uh, he's a language teacher. He's a... Well, we would say English teacher, so I yeah. guess I would say Russian yeah. teacher. <clears throat> Novoshakatinsk. Novoshakatinsk. Is this a city or a person? City. Okay. <laughs> uh, Chikatilo was largely ineffective as a teacher. Although knowledgeable, uh, he was not able to control his classes, and they made fun of him. Aww. That's, people have always said, oh, Chris, you should be a teacher. And I'm like, uh, that's a fear of mine. The kids are mean. The kids are mean to me. Children are assholes. They certainly are. <laughs> Especially like middle school. Yeah. Everyone in middle school is an asshole. Mm-hmm. The teachers, the principal, the kids, everyone's an asshole. They're all horned up and ready to go. <clears throat> and it's like, okay, you guys are too much. Stop it. May 1973. <laughs> I don't want to have any flashbacks to middle school mm-hmm. right now. Chikatilo commissioned his first known sexual assault upon one of his pupils. In the incident, he swam towards a 15-year-old girl and groped her breasts and genitals. And then... Uh, <clears throat> in his classroom? Swimming. Well, in the gym. And ejaculated. Oh. As she struggled. 
And then he assaulted another girl and beat her that he locked in her class, his classroom. Oh. Um, and he was never caught or disciplined. He was caught. He was not disciplined for All these. right. <clears throat> Nor the occasions which followed in which a fellow teacher observed Chikatilo fondling himself in the presence of his students. Oh. Uh, Chikatilo's duties at the school were ensuring that his students who had boarded <clears throat> at the school were present in their dormitories in the evening. On several occasions, he is known to have entered the girls' dormitory in hope of seeing them undress. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Things are getting bad. Things are getting bad. It's already happening. In response to the increasing number of complaints lodged against him, the director of the school... Uh, well, because he got away with it a couple of times. Like, well, going to keep well doing it. it. Yeah. Uh, they called <clears> him <throat> for a meeting, and they said that he should either resign voluntarily or they're going to fire him. And so he said, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. And then he got another job as a teacher in uh, the same city in 1974. Um, but then he lost his job. He got the job in January. lost it in September because of cutbacks. Uh, before finding another teaching position in the technical school number 33 in Shakti, a coal mining town 47 miles north of Rostov. Chikatilo's career as a teacher ended in March of 1981, following several complaints of child molestation against pupils of both sexes. In the same month, he began a job as a supply clerk for, the factory, for a factory based in Rostov, which produced construction materials. Um, it required him to travel a lot across all of the Soviet Union, either physically purchase the materials raw or to fill production quotas or negotiate supply contracts. Um, in, <clears throat> in September of 1978, so we've gone back in time a little bit, mm-hmm. is where he was known to have committed his first documented murder. Mm. On the evening of December 2nd, 22nd, he lured... Was this when he was still in Rostov or in the coal mining town? Uh, in Shakti, the coal mining town. Okay. Um, he... Uh... How did I go that far down? He lured a nine-year-old girl named Yelena Yakotnova to an old house which he had secretly purchased, and he attempted to rape her, but he failed to achieve an erection. Um, and when the girl struggled, he choked her and stabbed her three times in the abdomen and then uh, finished. Oh. Um, in an interview in 1990, he recalled later that immediately after stabbing, stabbing Zakotnova, the girl had said something very hoarsely, whereupon he strangled her to unconsciousness before he threw her body into the Grushevka River. And her body was found between a bridge two days later yikes yeah <clears throat> first of many yeah <clears throat> numerous pieces of evidence linked chikatilo and to Zakot- zakotnova's murder spots of blood had been found in the snow close to a fence facing the house chikatilo had purchased neighbors had noted that chikatilo had been present in the house on the evening of december 22nd Zakotnova's backpack had been found on the opposite bank of the river at the end of the street, indicating that the girl had been thrown into the river at this location. A witness had given police a detailed description of a man closely resembling Chikatilo, who she'd seen talking with Zakotnova at the bus stop where the girl had last been seen alive. And despite all this, a 25-year-old laborer named Alexander Kravchenko 
who had previously served a prison sentence for rape and murder of a teenage girl, was arrested for the crime. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. It's like, okay, we have all of literally telling everything, like, he has blood at his house, her backpack that's across the street from his house, uh, like, all this other shit. Um, but, and this person describing him perfectly. Oh, no, this other guy did it. So we're going to go with him instead. Mm-hmm. And this was the first potential, potentially the first murder. Um, no, it was the first one that he said, it, I did that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. But know. they did find some blood on his wife's uh, sweater that matched his wife and the little girl. Hmm. But it was just the blood type. Mm. So, a because they didn't have DNA testing back then. Yeah, and it's the Soviet Union. So yeah, if they did, they'd be like, "Your blood matches with this cup of borscht." It, this, what did you do to the borscht? This beet. Did you put blood in it? <laughs> you put beaten blood, blood and beet. Uh, Kravchenko had a watertight alibi mm-hmm. for the de- event. Um, he had been home with his wife and a friend of hers the entire afternoon. And neighbors of the couple were able to verify it. Nonetheless, the police, having threatened Kravchenko's wife for to with being an accomplice to murder and her friend with perjury, obtained new statements in which the women claimed Kravchenko oh, had not boy. returned home until the late evening of the day of the murder. Confronted with these altered testimonies, Kravchenko confessed to the killing. He was tried in 1979, and at his trial, he tried to retract his confession and maintain his innocence stating that his confession had been obtained under extreme duress. Despite that, he was convicted and sentenced to death. Oh, my God. So, so they killed this guy. He was commuted to 15 years Oh God! Um, by the Supreme Court in December 1980 um, under the pressure from the victim's relatives. Krovchenko was retired, erroneously convicted, and conven- eventually... Oh, yeah, no, he was executed by firing squad for Zetko- Zetkov's... Zetkutnova's murder in yeah. 1983. And I think my speculations are is because Chikatilo was part of the Communist Party. Yeah. Because, yeah. That's it. I think that that definitely is a part of it, especially if he's been part of the uh, Communist Party for so long that can make people say, oh, communists are bad. They're, you know, killing little girls and other nasty things. So yeah. he was killed at 30 years old. The same age as you and I. Mm-hmm. For something he didn't do. For something he didn't do. After the communists the were like, well, if you... And this is the, me making them sound nice. Well, if you don't tell us the truth, wink, then uh, you're going you're gonna to be killed too. And uh, I'm sure it was more like, you need to say this. And you... <laughs> Just injustice. Mm-hmm. The injustice. Following Zetkovna's murder, Chikatilo was able to re- achieve a sexual arousal and orgasm only through stabbing and slashing women and children to death. Ugh. Later, he claimed the urge to relive the experience had overwhelmed him. Nonetheless, he did stress that initially he, he tried to s- resist the urge, often cutting short his business trips to return home rather than to face the temptation of searching for a victim. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rest of this topic that I'm going to tell you is going nasty, nasty, uh, nasty. September 1981, he encountered a 17-year-old boarding school student 
Larissa, this one was really difficult. TK, how do you make a TK sound? Tchenko? Tchenko. Tchenko? Tchenko. Standing at a bus stop as he exited a public library in Rostov City Center. According to his his uh, confession, Chikatilo lured Tchenko to a forest near the Don River with the pretext of drinking vodka and relaxing. Ooh! Um, when they reached the area, he threw the girl to the ground before tearing off her clothes and attempting intercourse as Tchenko remonstrated. Uh, rem- I just took remonstrated from the article, and I don't know what remonstrated Remonstrated? Means. Hold on, I got you. Fought. Fought against his actions. Remonstrate. That's uh, to make a forceful, forceful, repro- reproachful protest, Lord. To fight. To fight, yeah. Uh, when Chikatilo failed to achieve his erection, he forced mud to. He pushed mud inside of her mouth to stop her from screaming um, and then began to beat her and strangle her. And since he had no knife, he decided to mutilate the body with his teeth and a stick. He bit one of the nipples off. And then covered her body with leaves and branches and then some newspaper and she was found the next day. Oh my god. Physically biting somebody's body skin to, off? to be able to get the high of mutilating it? Jesus Christ. Nine months later, um, on June 12th, 1982, he traveled by bus to... Bagayevsky district of Rostov to t- purchase vegetables, having to change buses in the village of Donskoy. After deciding to continue his journey on foot, he walked from the bus station. He found a 13-year-old girl, Lyubov Buryuk, who was walking home from a shopping trip. They walked together for about a quarter of a mile until their path was not in the view of witnesses by some bushes. And then he went on top of her, dragged her under into the bushes, tore her dress off, and stabbed her and slashed her to death while he faked doing intercourse. How do you fake it? Dry humping, I guess. Mm. Um, when her body was found, the medical examiner res- discovered evidence of 22 knife wounds inflicted to the head, neck, chest, and pelvic region. Further wounds were found on the skull, suggesting that the killer had attacked Biryuk from behind with the handle of this blade. Um, in addition, several striations were discovered upon her eye sockets. Oh my god. Following her murder, he no longer attempted to resist his homicidal urges, and between July and September of 1982, he killed a further five victims between the ages of 9 and 18. He established a, a pattern of approaching children, runaways young vagrants at bus or railway stations telling them to come out into the forest or other secluded areas with him and then killing them usually by stabbing or slashing and sometimes eviscerating them um he would they would receive multitude of knife wounds and then would be strangled or battered to death Many of the victims' bodies bore evidence of mutilation to the eye sockets. Uh, Pathologists concluded that these injuries must have been caused by a knife, leading investigators to the conclusion the killer had gouged out some of the eyes of his victims. Uh, Chikatilo's adult female victims were often uh, sex workers or homeless women who he would lure to secluded areas with the promise of alcohol or money, 
and he would attempt to have in intercourse with them, but usually would not be able to achieve or maintain an erection, and that would send him into his mur murderous fury, especially if the woman was uh, mocking. Because um, he, he couldn't get his penis hard. Yeah. And he would achieve his orgasm only when he stabbed them and slashed them to death. Uh, his child victims were of male and female sexes, and he would lure them to secluded areas with lots of different ruses, initially conversation or promising them assistance or money or hang out with them or show them a shortcut, uh, a chance to view rare stamps, films or coins or candy. And he would usually overpower them once they were alone, trying tying their hands behind their backs with rope before stuffing them into mud or or uh, I wrote down what they said, but it's uh, moss mm. into their mouths to stop them from screaming and then kill them. He would make uh, he would try to he would not really try to hide the bodies and then he would just leave the, the, the scene of the crime. Um, on December 11th, 1982, he encountered a 10-year-old girl named Olga Stalmanchenok uh, riding a bus to her parents' home in Novoshaktinsk and persuaded her to leave the bus with him. She was lasting by a fellow passenger who reported that a middle-aged man had led a girl away firmly by the hand. Um, he lured her out into a cornfield on the outskirts of the city and stabbed her 50 times around the head and body ripped open her chest, and excised her lower bowels and uterus. Oh, my God. And that's where we'll end for today. Jesus. He's a sick fucker. Yeah. Mine's not going to be much better. <laughs> Mine gets worse from last week. <laughs> well, <laughs> remind me of your person again. Let me, I have a recap specifically. So we're going to be talking about Dennis Nilsson part Two. Um, so he was born as a kid in Scotland, had a close relationship with his grandfather. Uh, his grandfather died and he became quiet and neglected, be neglected because he was quiet and felt neglected because he was quiet and didn't get the attention but wanted attention. So he <laughs> is it the chicken or the egg? Yeah, exactly. Um, so he moved to London to be gay after his older brother. Oh. Uh, after his old. Older brother outed him to his family, and his family got super weird about it. Um, uh, but he had uh, some weird sexual fantasies after being... Oh, no. <laughs> after being sexually deprived um, about being... Uh, about... What am I saying? He had weird sexual fantasies after being sexually deprived. These sexual fantasies were about someone being super submissive uh, and including the idea of death that he saw in Yemen while he was in the army. So when he was in London, he moved in with a guy that broke his heart, and then he couldn't keep a boyfriend after that. So he stayed. Uh, so this guy, after that, so this guy stayed with him. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to kill him. Uh, so he did, and then he hid his body under the floorboards, pulling it out to cuddle and have sex with it several times. Uh, he did this with 11 more victims in this property that he was originally at that he would then burn in the garden behind his home um, and cover the smell with old uh, car tires. And his landlord was like, hey, I'm going to do a remodel. Can you move out? And he was like, no, you got to pay me. And while he was waiting for his landlord to respond to that, uh, he burned the remaining bodies that were in the floorboard. So 
that is where we left off. So we now get him to move to Cranley Gardens. Thank you, uh, Cranberry, Cranley, Cranberry. I forgot that. I forgot about the body. Oh yeah, the, the there's house. a lot, lot of bodies, a lot of bodies. That, yeah, he would keep them under the floor, underneath the floorboards. Oh no, um, I knew, I remembered that. I forgot the the sex with them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget it, the necrophilia part. It gets it gets grosser, and don't don't you worry, we'll get more details. Hooray! Hooray for more details to our podcast. You know, since we're both wearing spoopy shirt, we were really in love. Unintentionally. With also, look at how bad mine is falling apart. I have two technically. Yeah. I, I don't even I know work. how this happened. Like to like get it too hot in the the oven. What's a, a dryer? No, it's just the natural progression. It's just like your skin. It. That's what my skin looks like. I know. <laughs> you just what did I just? <laughs> oh, you, look at this. Oh, oh. Another dainty jewelry. I found it. Uh, oh, you I lost, lost it. it for a long. Oh, time. I didn't know you lost it. It was in that yellow bowl. Why did you put it in the yellow bowl? I don't remember doing it. And when I found it, Jazz was like. So, so she I was like, did, did you hide this on me? She was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, why are you looking at me like that then? She was like, because we're out of treats. <laughs> or something like that. And I was so like, she did it. <laughs> that means you set it down at some point. And she's like, it'd be cute if I did this. And then she's a she's child like, and she so forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally forgot that that had happened. Didn't ever ask about it. Um, yeah. So he moves to, uh, Cranley Gardens. Uh, there are addresses in Wikipedia if you guys really want to go look up the addresses to know if that's, if you're listening from the UK and in London area and, uh, oh boy. (laughs) So it begins. (laughs) I only have about seven of them. (laughs) I only have seven. Um, so if you want to know if you were in Melrose Avenue or Cranley Gardens, uh, just go look at those addresses and find out. Um, so, this space did not have a garden, as it was an attic apartment. So, uh... Had him in the roof. He also could not bury things in the floorboard, either. So he had downstairs neighbors? He had, I mean, he had neighbors, yeah, neighbors. Uh, so for two months, he did not kill anyone or assault, <sighs> attempt to assault anyone that he brought home. Uh, so he's he'd turning had, over a new leaf! He had casuals with people, so, you know, he just, just didn't do it. He did try to strangle 19-year-old Paul Nobbs, but uh, he stopped himself before he had fully killed him. Um, so, here's that. And so, thank- thankful for that moment. Um, give me one second. Well, Hold, I'm, please. I'm happy that he had a moment of reprieve. Hopefully, we'll see that um, reflected in the rest of the story. Nope. Uh, hopefully. Spoiler alert. Uh, so that brings us up to March of 1982, when Nilsson meets 23-year-old John Howlett in a pub. He brings Howlett back to his home uh, with the promise of more alcohol, where the two watched movies and a drink until uh, How. What is the year again? 1982. Oh, okay. I thought it was like the 60s. Well, they had movies. Yeah, they had no, movies in the like, 60s, too. Movies? No, they didn't. No, he was When born. they played them on? The TV. A projector? 
They had TVs back then. They ain't got VCRs. My mom had a TV. Not in the 60s. She had a TV. In the 60s? They had TVs. Yes. They don't play movies on the TV. Where do you think that movies were played? In movie theaters, bitch. And that was it? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Sure. That's true. Oh. <laughs> they didn't start doing movies on the TV until the 70s. Well, they he they said he watched films. When were VCR? I can tell you VCRs were invented in the late, very late 70s, early 80s. 1956. <laughs> at home, do you think he was at, uh, bought one of the first VCR players? <laughs> if he was in the 60s, you think he bought one of the first You v- just wanted to know. look at me. Look at me, bitch. If he was <laughs> born in the 60s, if he born- was living in the 60s, you think he bought a VCR player? This murderer? He could have. You never no, know. He fucking could never, goddamn bitch. He was working for the UK bitch. government, so maybe. A, a VCRs declined in popularity in the early, early 2000s. When, uh, can... Uh, were widely available in the 80s. So, well, I was thinking that he was in the 60s. Well, you're wrong. Let me tell you what a, the price would have been. First home video recorders 1963 was when they had the not UK Nottingham Electric in Value Company. In 1956 it was uh $1280. It was basically, yeah, it says 1100 pounds or $1600. In 2014 currency, so what would have been would have been expensive. Throw your phone away. It's also Throw not it disturbed, so I don't understand what's happening. My phone is way over here. Throw your phone. I'm away. also not getting a notification. Throw your so. phone away. Throw it away. I don't know what's happening. Throw it away. <laughs> Throw it. Anyways, so what? Um, so how was like uh, Howlet? Sorry, Howlet was like. Uh, I'm drunk and tired, so I'm just, I'm drunk I'm and just tired. gonna go take a real fast nap on your bed. So uh, Nilsson went to go wake him up unsuccessfully, and then sat on the edge of the bed for an hour, drinking. <laughs> that was really loud. Good. <laughs> drinking rum and watching him sleep before he was like, <sighs> "What is that sleep watching mm. stuff?" And before he was like, "I, I'm a kill him." So he tried to strangle him. Have you ever watched your partner sleep? Um, not for more than like thirty seconds. Okay. Like, I, uh, no, I guess is a better answer. But yes, I, I have. Can you not sleep sometimes? And then what do you do? You just look at the ceiling. I like the ceiling, or I'll like get on my phone instead. I'm not gonna like sit there the and ceiling. stare at them and be like. Oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched Thomas sleep a little bit. Yeah, not for a long time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not for a long time. I've definitely done it. And it's like you wake up and you're like, oh, they're just so cute. And no, you're like, I'm looking at him because he's snoring and I'm like, oh, I can't sleep. Oh, no, now. that's different. If they're and snoring, I'm sure like, he does it to me too. <laughs> just gl- I, glaring. I have a very soft spoken, very discreet snore. Mm-hmm. He probably has his AirPods in. That listen, he's like, God, I need to tune, tone out these uh, homosexuals. Like, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, so he tried to strangle him, and a big fight ensued, where Howlett tried to then strangle Nilsson back. Um, Nilsson finally got him unconscious and returned to the living room, apparently shaking from stress because he thought that he was going to be overpowered and he was going to die. 
Um, was he choking him back? Yeah, he, I just said that. Howlett was strangling him back. Oh. Because Howlett was apparently a uh, strong person. Hmm. And so he was choking him back. And he was close to not being alive, which would have made this whole world better. Um, over the next 10 minutes, he then tried three more times to kill Howlett uh, because he kept resuming breath because he thought he would kill him and then he would start breathing again so he would try and choke him more and then he'd start breathing again before finally he's like all right i'm just gonna drown him in the bathtub so he took his unconscious body and drowned him in the bathtub what the fuck yeah so for a week following this murder nilson had bruise marks from where the fingers were that uh where howlett was trying to strangle him in back so he like had like finger dots Ooh. like that's how deep this man was choking him back yeah I cannot imagine mm. that is a really like visceral like you have to like commit but to choking to somebody. choke someone yeah but i mean i assume that he was probably using a ligature because that's it was his uh mo yeah uh but still but for this guy to then be doing it back like with his hand because he didn't have anything else but if I'm fighting for my life, I'm yeah, do everything. Yeah, can. I'm biting, screaming, doing whatever. <laughs> um, so in May of 1982, Nilsson meets Carl Stotter, uh, who is a 28, 21-year-old gay man at a pub in Camden, and was uh, last. I'm sorry, was sad from being broken up with. So he had uh, had a really recently ended a relationship. Um, Nilsson promised him more alcohol at his place, and he was like, no, 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 no sexy time uh, after, uh, after that. Uh, and said after drinking, he fell asleep in a sleeping bag. A sleeping bag? A sleep, I guess he just like had an extra sleeping bag. I don't know. Okay. If I went over to a stranger's place, I was would... First of all... Okay, that's... First of all, you're not going over to the stranger's place if you're immediately broken up with. If you're not intending to do anything. That's true. Yeah. To where you wouldn't sleep in the bed with them. Yeah. But I also wouldn't sleep in the bed. I wouldn't sleep. I wouldn't sleep over. Yeah, so you wouldn't be there in the first I place. I never slept over at a hookup's house. The only hookup I've ever had, I slept. You slept <laughs> over, and now look, you have, you're married and have two children. Yeah. And I didn't sleep at all that night. Because <laughs> you're just <laughs> staring no, at him. I was like, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Is he going to kill me? <laughs> no. He was asleep. And oh. I was like, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> I'm too nervous. Oh, <laughs> Well, he fell asleep in the sleeping bag because he was drunk. Um, so he woke up to uh, Nielsen strangling him. And whispering, stay still, repeatedly, uh, believing that Nilsson was trying to get him out of the sleeping bag that he was caught in before falling back out of consciousness. So he thought that he was being choked by the sleeping bag somehow. And I'm like, what the fuck? What kind of sleeping bag you got that it's like snagged? The one where only your face is shown. Oh, maybe. Stuck. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so he vaguely recalls hearing water running as I guess he's like regaining slight consciousness before realizing that he was immersed and that Nelson was drowning him. He was able to briefly get his hut above his head above the water to shout no more, please no more before Nelson forced his head under the water again. Nilsson then moved him to the armchair like he normally did, believing that he was dead. Uh, Stodder then remembers being woken up by bleep was Nilsson's dog's name. Uh, the dog was kissing his face. 
licking him. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> Nilsson then realized that there was still a small bit of life in Stodder, uh, because I guess he had gotten to the point of his uh, realizing that, um, oh, I just did an awful thing, because remember in the last week, he'd like, at, at the end, he would be like, oh, I can't believe I did it again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So he, I guess, realized that this boy was still alive um, and began rubbing his arms and legs and chest to increase circulation. He covered him in blankets and then took him to his bed. When Sodder finally regained consciousness, Nilsson hugged him and told him that he'd gotten stuck in the sleeping bag and that Nilsson had saved him. Over the next two days, as he was fading in and out of consciousness because his brain lost a lot of oxygen. So, honestly how he's able to even function afterwards is kind of impressive. Um, he began to recollect about the whole, you know, being underwater thing, being underneath cold water. And Nilsson explained to him that uh, he had been, after being strangled by the sleeping bag. I tried to wake him up with cold water. He woke, because he, he had woken up from a bad dream, apparently. He had a nightmare. And so he got like stuck in the sleeping bag. And that's what, what choked him, uh, that he had took him to the bath and put him in cold water because he was in shock. So Nilsson then, after he was fine, well, not fine, but after he was able to be a person again, Nilsson took him to the train station and told him that he hoped to see him again soon. Uh, because you want to kill him, because he's remembering things. <laughs> you want to see him again because you want to kill him. But he never did see him again. Um, well, Thank God that he got away. He did. He does see him again later, but I'll talk about Aww. that. <laughs> I'll talk in the court. I'll talk about it. Okay. Three months after uh, he got his promotion to executive officer, where he worked, which was the government, um, in June of so he got the promotion in June of 1982. So this would put us around September-ish, October time. Um, he met 27-year-old Graham Allen, trying to hail a taxi and invited him home for a meal. Which, hey Uber, like trying to get your attention. Uh, hey, you want to come home and have some food? No, I'm trying to leave. <laughs> what? Where are you going? Yeah. Uh, home to uh, have dinner. Food. Oh, well, I can cook you some maybe. Well, we got food at the house. Yeah, Come on up. Uh, well, he made him an omelet. Uh, how do you spell omelet? O-M-E-L-L-E-T-T-E. No, oh, you put two L's in there. Um, I've always spelled it O-M-E-L-E-T-T-E. No, it's definitely double L's. No, it's not. Um, yes, it is. No, it's not. It's a French word. So? Amelette. But that's also not correct, even with one letter. Or one L. Well, not correct to... It's two M's. No. <laughs> Amelette. <laughs> no, it's uh, apparently the American spelling is O-M-E-L-E-T. And so I typed it in Microsoft Word because the way I spell it is the E-T-T-E. And that's apparently not how you spell it, according to Microsoft Word. Well, how do you spell it in French? That's, oh, I don't know. Maybe there's two L's in French. There's definitely not two L's in the British version. Oh, omelette. <laughs> omelette. What was that? <laughs> because there's O M E L E T T E is omelet, and then O M E L E T is 
omelet. That's how Americans say it. I have never seen it spelled that way. I've only <laughs> ever seen it. <laughs> it's not right. It's gross. <laughs> it's not right, but it's okay. We're going to make it anyways. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Yeah. It just looks wrong. When I put the over the T-E, omelet. Omelet. Ooh, gross. Ew, I hate it. No, never. Ew. Yeah. I hate that you've introduced me to that. Because that's how I always spelled it. I've always spelled it E-T-T-E. Like, and then it's telling me it's wrong. I'm like, no, it's not. So then I Googled it. It just looks weird. Anyways, so um, he made him an omelet. And uh, when he was eating it, he doesn't remember exactly when he decided this. But he was like... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kill him. So he strangled him while he was eating. His body stayed in the bathtub for three days before uh, he called into work. So to he didn't dissect bathe for the three body. days either. Yeah, exactly. Before he called into work to dissect the body on the kitchen Wait. floor. Three days, and then he called into work. Yeah. So he just he went wasn't about, working very much. What do you mean it wasn't working very much? Three days. He didn't I guess shower if he for came three days. home Friday night and, and did the murder. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Monday he decided he was going to kill them. I don't know what day it was. We this murder died. specifically. We didn't get like a day. That's why I told you because like they he he just remembers three months after he got his promotion. So that's why I said somewhere around October, September, October time frame. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, so on January 26th of 1983, Nilsson met 20-year-old Stephen Sinclair, who was last seen by his acquaintances with Nilsson near a metro station. Uh, once back at the house, after some alcohol and drugs, uh, Sinclair sat in the armchair listening to music. Um, he was apparently listening to an a rock opera, which I didn't know that was a thing, but now it is. I saw, oh boy. in my, my years... You're there almost like 31 a... years. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know what company it was, but the, the guy who's like sitting in an armchair like this huh. and his tie is blowing backwards and he's in front of a stereo. And bum, ba, da, 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 da. What is that? Um, well, so they, they replayed it on... Um, Tom and Jerry. That's the only reason why I know that one. What Tom and Jerry? Because Tom is wearing like a tie and he sits in a chair. I don't know what it. So if it if it's old enough for Tom and Jerry to if it's Panasonic. Oh, is that the company? No. Oh. I don't know what it is. I'm but it's a, it's Tom a and Jerry. tape. It's a tape company. Name the tape companies. Like like VCR. No. Tape cassette tape. Cassette. Tape. Amtrak. That's a that's, that's a, a train. train. Uh, eight track. No. <laughs> that's a train. That's a train company. I'm good at trivia, <laughs> but not this. <laughs> Most wanted cassettes of all time. No, that's not what I asked. For. Nor. Do I have any of those? No, I don't. I used to have some cassettes. I used to too.
people are trying to bring back the cassette and i was like no no music didn't sound good on them why would you want that back the record i understand the, the, cassettes, re- the record no. or cds like that's fine cds were not even that great because if you scratch if you that's do true. anything to it it's max sell well the, oh max sell. Uh, but same thing with um was it max sell? i think it's same thing with vinyls. If you scratch those things, those things are fucked up for live. Yeah, but they're harder to scratch because you just, like, gently place them down. I have a ton of vinyls. Okay. Have I never shown you my vinyl collection? No, I was here when you and um, your friend were were uh, playing vinyls. You never get to listen. He's the only one that wants to listen to them with me. Well, you don't have Carly Rae Jepsen on vinyl. I have White Hinterland. Woo! And I have Donna <laughs> Summer. Woo! MacArthur Park. I'm really into disco lately. Oh my god. Is it because of Break My Soul? No. <laughs> you know it is. No. <laughs> no. Break My Soul is not disco. It's 90s. Oh boy. <laughs> Hold on. Oh my god. Fix your curls. You going for the middle part now? Don't. Oh god. It's so awful. I'll just hold it. It's so awful. No, no. <laughs> Wait, should I do one too? It's really difficult when you have a uh, receding hairline. I love that one side is significantly longer than the other. <laughs> On purpose. <laughs> I can't oh even do gosh, it. Oh my you look so good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so ugly. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> mm, I didn't even do a good job. A, a new man. You look like a new man. <laughs> okay, anyways. <laughs> oh, that was awful. That was just big, bad, most awful, terrible thing. Um, okay, anyways. So, um... Yeah, so he sat in a chair listening to music. Yeah, he was doing that. Uh, so Nilsson apparently approached him and knelt in front of him saying, Oh, Stephen, here I go again. And then he strangled him with a necktie and rope. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Nilsson noticed Sinclair had bandages on his wrist after he killed him, uh, which were apparently covering deep slash marks from where Sinclair had tried to kill himself. Yeah. Um, then he followed his usual ritual of washing the body. He was intrigued because these bandages were used later, as we'll discover, to seal his plastic bags that he was putting things in. Um, here, let me keep going. Uh, he then followed the ritual of washing the body and then put him, I just didn't write it down, so I wanted to say it now while I was remembering. Um, she washed the body, put talcum powder on him, and then put uh, put him on the bed, arranged three mirrors around him, and then laid ne- naked next to his dead body. Uh, several hours later, he turned... So tur- they would both look dead? I don't know. Because he did that weird thing where he would look dead. He would lay his head outside of the frame so he could look dead and available, but also look like he was the one in, in, in charge. Yeah, he did that weird thing when he was in Yemen. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So several hours later, so he laid on his, his bed 
uh, for several hours naked with him. Uh, several, several hours later, he turned Stephen's head towards him before kissing the youth's body on... Uh, kissing the youth's body and on the forehead and saying good night steven and then he fell asleep next to the body next to a dead person fucking ooh. yeah he then uh dissected the body as he had with the other two uh and the at the cranley place and god i made so many typos sorry y'all I sound like an idiot trying to read this. I spelled model M-O-D-L-E. Yeah, but see, I, I like it, a lot of the ats and ands and as I have not typed those A-F. correctly, like at all. So I was like, what the fuck am I saying here? Um, and had placed various body parts and organs in sealed plastic bags stored in different parts of his apartment. Apparently he had like a tea table that he used underneath the kitchen sink. And most importantly, his uh, big wardrobe um that he had so he attempted to uh flush the flesh internal organs and smaller bones down the toilet as he had been doing at the melrose plays um he also boiled the heads hands and feet to remove the flesh off these sections of the victim's bones uh so then we go ahead and jump to february 4th of 1983 nilson wrote a strong letter of complaint to the landlord saying that the drains were blocked and that the situation was intolerable for for him and the other tenants. Um, so a uh, employee of Dino Rod, which is a company that does uh, emergency plumbing situations, uh, named Michael Catran, uh, visited the property on the evening of February eighth. Uh, opened the drain cover at the side of the house. Inside, he was like, oh, "This looks like flesh." And also numerous small bones of unknown origin. So he was like, hey, Gary, his supervisor, can you come take a look at this? Uh, And he was like, yeah, it's nighttime now because you got here so late. So let's go ahead and uh, wait until tomorrow to do this. So just before he left the property, Nilsson and another resident stopped him uh, and asked, like, what was going on? I mean, as if I call a plumber, I'm going to ask the same thing. And the plumber's going to tell me whatever is going on. So he did. Uh, he said, I think it looks like flesh in there. And Nilsson was like, uh, looks to me like someone's been flushing down their Kentucky fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. So first thing the next morning, 7.30 a.m., uh, Katran and Wheeler came back to the property to find that the drain had been cleared. Surprise! It's gone! We but don't that, know! Well, that's convenient. That's so strange. Uh, that alarmed them because they were like, uh, okay. We saw dead bodies We there. saw dead, dead things in here. Uh, so they investigated further and found that there was still some remnants. They found four small bones and some scraps of flesh that were still in the pipe. Uh, but further up the pipe, and it was not a shared pipe. It was only a pipe that led up to the top apartment. So that's where uh, Nilsson lived. Our uh, friend. And our friend. And they both decided that they looked like the uh, bones were from human hands. So they're like, yeah, I'm pretty certain it looks like a freaking finger bone. Um, Did I tell you about the one time that I was doing You saw a dead body? Oh. You're doing what? I was doing makeup for this lady. And I used to, my thing would be. Uh, you broke her finger off? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Put it back on. <laughs> oh, fuck. I get some glue. Hold on. I used to call people friend. Like, that's just... That's what you do. do You still do that now. And she thought it was so weird. She had to leave. She got out of the chair and left. She was like, what did you call me? You never told me this, but I love that. I was like, 
friend. And she was like, why? I was like, that's just what I call what it. I call people. Uh-huh. And she was like, that's kind of weird. And I was like, uh, okay. okay, well, I-, I won't do it again. Sorry. <laughs> and she was like, I'm going to leave. I was like, okay. okay. That's the, people have the weirdest things. So they're just like, well, don't call me that. <laughs> All right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was aghast. Yeah. I mean, I don't like being called, well, especially being a gay that has been on Grinder, being called like Bud. And I don't like being called Bud. Yeah, but not to the point where I'd be like, I don't oh, no. need to be around you. Anymore. No, no. And it's mo- also more over like text, especially. Like text is where it's like, okay, don't call me Bud. Like, it's weird. Um, but, like, not in person. If someone's like, hey, hey, bud. And be like, they're like, what did you call me? What did you call me? It was so awkward. Yeah. That is, that is awkward. Anyway, she's an ugly fucking <laughs> troll. <laughs> well, that escalated quickly. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I, I could not believe. I mean, you know what yes, I could not believe? That. That. Somebody's calling me a stupid... Hold on. Someone's calling you a what? Like, a stupid motherfucker. Okay, yeah, you know, you can't call me that. I'm going to go ahead and leave. You call me that all the time. But you, that's, you've grown accustomed <laughs> to that behavior You're and treatment. To, I love that you were like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what word should I say to you? Anyways, I still hate that woman, and her name is. <laughs> and she lives at. at. I have looked up her entire life. I've got everything. It's a rich old white lady. Uh-huh. Oh, rich old white lady's not having somebody call her friend. Nobody's nobody's interested she in you. She doesn't have friends. They I mean, disappoint That's why her. she thought it was weird. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. What did you call me? How often every day do you cringe about stuff that you've done in the past? Oh, often. It's called anxiety. How many times a day? Um, More than 10? Maybe not that high, no. I'd probably say... I'd say more than five for me. Definitely around five. That's a good number. Five to ten for me. Every day. Okay. Yeah. I could do that. My latest thing that I've been cringing about doing... Oh, boy. You're going to admit twice. on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Leaving a party and I told somebody that I... that. Oh, God. <laughs> I cringe. Cringe. <laughs> we went to that housewarming. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, while I was leaving... <laughs> Oh, I'm so fucking stupid. <laughs> I was. I said, "Have a good day." <laughs> Why is that bad? I don't know. That's not what you say when you leave someone at a party. Have a good day. Have a good day. No, you can say that. And I went over to Ben and Kendall's uh, and told his brother to have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is that? I, I think I find that to be kind of normal. No! Oh, I tell everyone to have a good day. It was not normal. I mean, I, t- I felt stupid. Yeah. I oftentimes teach, like, the evening classes, and whenever I taught, like, a 6.30 class, it's literally, the like, class gets done at 7.30. I'm like, have a good rest of your day. See, that's what you no, do I in say, a transaction like that. Okay. What if I told you when you left today, have a good day? Well, now it's night, but that's what I'm saying. Like, late in the evening. One time it was night. The other one was not. But it was still, like, it was, like, 7 o'clock. I don't think that they thought about it. I think you're thinking about it more than they... I'm going to think about it for the rest of my life. Even in the moment, they were probably just like, okay, like, 
<laughs> no, they said you too. The fuck? Did you, you have a good day? No, because I was <laughs> thinking about that. <laughs> I think that you have done more cringeworthy things <laughs> that you should yeah, think but about. What I've been thinking about right now is that one. Because <laughs> it's the most recent. I think you've done some other things, so let's focus on those. No, but I don't think this because one Because if I'm matters. thinking about this one, I won't think about the other ones. Mm. That's valid. Yeah, okay, fine. Keep thinking about this one. <sighs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so... Have a good day. Have a good day. <sighs> he probably said that to the, the guys here um, when they left. Have, have a good day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or what do they say? Top of the morning to you? No, that's not at night. Hey, f- hey uh, oi, bruv. Hey, bruv. <laughs> Fuck off. Hey, Chad. <laughs> um, yeah, so they both decided it was from human hand. So they're like, I, we should probably call we're gonna, the police. We're going to look for the rest of this. No, stuff. they're going to call police. So they called the police, and the police were like, all right. And they found more bones and scraps that... <laughs> This made me laugh. Scraps that to the naked eye looked like either human or animal flesh. If there's it's, like a fleshy what did material, say it's KFC. Yeah, chicken. Someone's <laughs> been flesh on that chicken. Is it, if it if it was fleshy, what other what uh, what else would it be? Human or animal flesh? Yes. Well, you know, humans people often... and animals are the only things with flesh. <laughs> People often be um, taking their leftover supper and flushing it down the toilet. That's a normal thing. It's a normal thing. Bones and all. Bones, bones. and all. You know, I had wings the other day. Um, immediately <laughs> all the flushed. wing bones right in the toilet. <laughs> what else do you do with them? I don't know. If you can't flush Tell your them to wings, have a good day. who else? That's going to work. Um, so they were like, all right, we're going to take them to the mortuary. And the pathologist is going to analyze these. Uh, and he was like, uh, yeah, this is definitely human. Uh, also noting that some of the skin that was found was from the neck area and was like, there's also marks that there. this has been uh, choked. Ligature marks. So just letting you know. Uh, so after learning from neighbors at the top floor pipe, that where the pipe led was where Nilsson lived, a detective and two other officers waited for him to come home from work. When he finally arrived, the detective said that they had come to inquire about the drainage issues, to which he was like, uh, are the other two that you have with you health officials or, like, what's going on? Um, and he's like, no, they're, uh, they're also police officers. Can we discuss this more in your house? So they walked into his house where they were immediately slapped in the face with a smell of rotting flesh, which mm. also made me question once again, which we've questioned, I questioned this in the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer situation. How does nobody smell that? How, if, if I walked in someone's house and it smelled like rotting shit, uh, I'm like, no, it's not happening. And like, mind you, I've walked into my own house after I've thrown like chicken in the trash and it smelled like shit, but I'm like, oh shit, that chicken smell. And then I take it out and light a million candles in my house. Um, maybe that's what they thought it was, and maybe that's what he explained it was. I don't know. It doesn't work for me. Um, Nielsen continued asking questions like, uh, why are the police interested in the drains? Uh, to which he was informed that the blockage was caused by human remains. Uh, Nielsen originally pretended to be shocked, stating, Good grief, how awful. That's only, like how i imitate him good grief how awful 
To which the detective said, don't mess with me. Where's the rest of the body? You gonna say that one in British accent? Don't mess with me. Where's the rest of the body? No, he said, don't mess about. Sorry. Don't mess about. Where's the rest of the body? That sounds pretty British. Yeah. Um, Nilsson apparently responded calmly and was like, the um, remainder is in two plastic bags in in the nearby wardrobe over there. Uh, from which the detective and his colleagues noted the smell of decomposition emanating from. So they walked over there. They did not open it. And then they asked Nilsson whether or not there was any body parts to be found, to which Nilsson replied, It's a long story. It goes back a long time. I'll tell you everything. I, wanted, I want to get it off my chest. Not here. At the police station. He was arrested, and on the way to the police station, Nilsson was asked whether the remains in his house belonged to one person or two. Staring out the window of the police car, he replied, 15 or 16 since 1978. This is also after he had been told uh, his version of Miranda rights, essentially. Um, so that was used later. Uh, the detective and the superintendent of police then returned uh, to his home at Cranley Gardens, where the plastic bags were removed from the wardrobe and taken to the mortuary. One bag was found to contain two dissected torsos, one of which had been vertically dissected, and a, a shopping bag containing various internal organs. The second bag contained a human skull, almost completely devoid of flesh, a severed head, and a torso with arms attached but hands missing. Both heads were found to have been subjected to moist heat. So, they were boiled. In an interview conducted on February 10th, Nilsson apparently confessed uh, that there were more human remains stowed in the tea chest in his living room, as well as remains in his upturned drawer in his bathroom. Uh, the dismembered body parts were the, uh, were the bodies of three men, all of whom he had killed by strangulation, usually with a necktie. Uh, this is all part of his confession. One victim he could name, another he knew only as John the Guardsman, and the third he identified as Stephen Sinclair, uh, which was the most recent one. He also stated that beginning in December of 1978, he had killed 12 or 13 men at his former address on Melrose Avenue. Nilsson also admitted to having unsuccessfully attempted to kill approximately seven other people who had either escaped or on one occasion had been at the brink of death but had been revived and allowed to leave his house. The further search for uh, additional remains at the Cranley Gardens uh, on February 10th revealed that the lo- revealed the lower section of a torso and two legs stowed in a bag in the bathroom and a skull, a section of a torso, and various bones in the tea chest. The same day, Nilsson accompanied police to Melrose Avenue, where he indicated the three locations in the rear garden, where he had burned the remains of his victims. Under English law, the police only have 48 hours to which to either charge Nilsson or release him. So they were like, we got to work fast. So they were assembling the uh, remains of the victims killed at Cranley Gardens on the floor of the mortuary. Uh, The pathologist was able to confirm the fingerprints on one body, which matched the police files of Sinclair. So at uh, 5.40 p.m. on February 11th, Nilsson was charged with Sinclair's murder and a statement revealing that he was released, uh, that that, a statement revealing this was released to the press. Uh, formal questioning of Nilsson began the same evening, which garnered massive national coverage. The 
they actually released information of um, of this when they arrested him on the 8th. No, 9th. The 8th. No, the 9th. The 8th was when the people came. The 9th is when they came the next morning. Yeah. So they uh he one of the police officers that had come was like holy shit and he like leaked a bunch of stuff to the news and within the 48 hours they had a picture of him from his mom like uh all this shit like national just frenzy about finding this shit it was uh a lot i didn't talk very much about that so i just wanted to mention it now i didn't talk about that at all but uh, police interviewed Nielsen on 16 separate occasions over the following days in interviews which totaled over 30 hours. So we had a lot of, a lot of shit to talk about. Um, <clears throat> Nielsen was adamant that he was uncertain as to why he had killed, simply saying, I'm hoping that you'll tell me that, uh, when asked for his motives for the murder. He was adamant that the decision to kill was not made until moments before the act of murder, which is something that I've talked about. He just didn't know he was going to kill him until he was like, no, nah, it's going to happen. Boom. Yeah. So uh, most victims had died by strangulation, and on several occasions he had drowned the victims once they had been strangled into unconsciousness. One of the victims had been killed. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Once the victim had been killed, he typically bathed the victim's body, shaved any hair from the torso to conform it to his physical ideal, then applied makeup to any obvious blemishes upon the skin. The body was usually dressed in socks and underpants before Nilsson draped the victims around his uh, around himself uh, as he talked to the corpse. Most victims, Nilsson master uh, with most victims, uh, Nilsson masturbated on as he stood alongside or knelt above the body, and Nilsson confessed to having occasionally engaged in uh, inter intercrural sex with his victims' bodies, which is uh, not between the legs. Between the legs, yes. Um, but uh, repeatedly stressed to uh, investigators that he had never actually penetrated his victims, explaining that his victims were, quote, too perfect and beautiful for the pathetic ritual of commonplace sex. Uh, all the victims' personal possessions were destroyed following the ritual of bathing their bodies in an effort to obliterate the ident their identity prior to their murder, and, then, and they're now becoming what Nilsson described as a prop in his fantasies. So... Excuse me. He basically like deleted their entire lives so that he could be like, well, they weren't a person. They they're just like, they're just in my fantasy. I didn't didn't I didn't eliminate someone's life. I they never existed. They never existed in his mind. Yeah, by destroying all their stuff. In several instances, he talked to the victims' bodies as it remained seated in a chair or prone on his bed, and he recalled being emotional as he marveled at the beauty of their bodies. With reference to one victim, Kenneth Ockenden, Nilsson noted that Ockenden's body and skin were very beautiful, adding the sight almost brought me to tears. That's the one that I talked about last week that he was, like, crying because he killed him because he was apparently so beautiful. Um, another unidentified victim had been so emaciated that he killed him and he just was like, I didn't, he didn't do anything with him. Apparently this guy was too thin. He just was like, okay, you're immediately underneath the floorboard. Didn't do anything. I'm like, what the fuck? Then why'd you kill him? Why'd you kill any of these people? 
It, anyways, the bodies of the victims killed at his previous uh, previous address were kept as long as decomposition would allow. Um, basically, at any point that he'd see any signs, of, major signs of decom, major signs. I have to say that major signs of decomposition in the body, he would uh, stow it beneath the floorboards. If a body did not display any signs of decomposition, he occasionally alternate alternately stowed it beneath the floorboard and then retrieved it before again masturbating uh, as he stood over or lay alongside the body. Makeup was again applied to enhance its appearance, cover any blemishes or signs of decomposition. He, uh, when he was questioned as to why the heads were found at Cranley, Card Cranley Gardens had been subjected to moist heat, uh, Nielsen said that he had frequently boiled the heads of his victims in a large cooking pot on his stove so that the internal context, the contents, quote, evaporated, which would end up removing uh, the need to dispose the brain or the flesh. The uh, torsos and limbs of the three victims killed at this address were dissected within about a week of their murder before uh, being wrapped in plastic bags and stowed in three locations he had indicated to the police, the internal organs and smaller bones he flushed out in the toilet. This practice, which was what led to his arrest, had been the only method he could consider to dispose of the internal organs and soft tissues because he didn't have the garden to burn things in, like he did at the Melrose uh, Avenue area. So at Melrose Avenue, uh, Nilsson typically retained the victims' bodies for a much longer period before disposing of the remains. He kept three or four bodies stowed beneath the floorboards at a time before he then dissected the remains, which he would wrap inside plastic bags and either return underneath the floorboards or, in a couple of instances, inside of suitcases, which had been left at the property by the previous tenant. So he found these two suitcases, and he was like, okay, I guess I'll put bodies and body parts in there. So the remains stowed inside of suitcases, those of Ockenden and Duffy, were placed inside a shed in the rear garden and were disposed of upon the second bonfire that Nilsson constructed at Melrose Avenue. Other dissected remains, minus the internal organs, were returned beneath the floorboards or placed upon a bonfire which uh, he had constructed in his garden. Uh, on more than one occasion, he uh, had removed the internal organs from the victims' bodies, placed them in bags, and then he would just dump them behind the fence for wildlife to eat. Mm. Uh, all the bodies of the victims killed at Melrose Avenue were dismembered after several weeks or months of internment beneath the floorboards. Nelson recalled that the... Um, the decomposition of these bodies made the task exceedingly disgusting. Uh, he would apparently, he apparently recalled having to fortify his nerves with a lot of whiskey and having to grab handfuls of salt to which to brush aside maggots from the remains. Uh, often he vomited as he dissected the bodies before wrapping the dismembered limbs inside of plastic bags and carrying their remains to the bonfires. Um... So basically, he was so grossed out by it. I was like, then maybe stop killing people. Just a thought. That'd be a great start. That'd be a great start, right? Um, immediately prior to dissecting the victims' bodies, he would often masturbate as he knelt or sat alongside the corpse. He stated that this was a symbolic gesture of saying goodbye to his victims. So this is as he's about to set these things on fire or... Uh, rip them apart or whatever with maggots and all this stuff on top of them, he would first have to jack off on top of them, which is so... All of this is disgusting, but why? It's just gross. Uh, when questioned as to 
whether he had any regret or remorse for the crimes, he replied, I wished I could stop, but I couldn't. I had no other thrill or happiness. He also emphasized that he took no pleasure from the act of killing itself, uh, but worshipped the art and the act of death. So basically he thought that all of this was just an art project. Oh. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, so Nelson was brought to trial... On October 24th of 1983, charged with six counts of murder and two of attempted murder. Um, I'm impressed that they even got up to six counts because uh, I don't know if they were able to identify some of the bone shards they were able to find. But there was no evidence at the Melrose Avenue area. It was really just the three bodies at the, the um, uh, Cranley Gardens. Um that, so I don't know what six counts of murder he got charged on, but that he did. Um, he was tried at the Old Bailey before uh, the justice and pleaded not guilty on all the charges. He also the fuck? Yeah. You already told everybody what you've done. He had some drama with his lawyer, which was also kind of funny. Basically, he got to a point that was like, he'd get pissed off because I guess the lawyer wasn't doing what he wanted him to do. And he'd fire him. And then he'd get mad and be like... I don't have a lawyer. You guys haven't given me a lawyer. And they're like, here's this lawyer. It's the same one. You going to use him? And he's like, okay, fine. And he talked to him. He, he fired him four times. And then in between that, he kept on uh, trying to uh, tell them that he was being mistreated by the, the prison because he thought that he was like a free, a free person. And so he got sentenced to like 56 days in solitary confinement because he... Uh, he had a chamber pot and he threw the contents at a police guard. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was all before trial too. It's like, oh, you are not helping yourself, girl. Um, at all. Anyways, so um, when he went to trial, the trial was not whether or not he did it. Both the the defense and the prosecution were not defending well, whether or not he they? killed. It was literally uh, whether he was sane or not. Like, the defense wasn't saying he didn't kill him. He was like... You've already confessed. Yeah. They're, they can't use there's that nothing. as yeah. a, 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 a not guilty. Yeah. And the prosecution was very swift with arguing against all of that. Uh, the first witness to testify for the prosecution was Douglas Stewart, who testified that in November of 1980, he had fallen asleep in, in a chair in at Nilsson's house, uh, only to wake up to find his ankles were tied to a chair, and that Nilsson was strangling him with a tie as he pressed his knee into Stewart's chest. Successfully, he was able to overpower Nilsson, and Stewart testified that Nilsson then shouted, Take my money! as loud as possible. This, the prosecution said, was his uh, attempt at being rational, cool, and present of mind because he hoped that uh, other tenants else would hear would him. Hear him. Uh, upon leaving Nilsson's residence, Stewart had reported the attack to the police, who in turn questioned Nilsson. Noting uh, that they had conflicting details on the accounts given by both men, they dismissed it as a lover's quarrel. Two gay men yelling at each other, ah, it's the 80s, I don't want to hear about it. You know, classic, classic, classic homophobia, we love that. Um, so upon cross-examination, the defense counsel sought to undermine Stewart's credibility, pointing to minor inconsistencies in the testimony and the fact that he had consumed too much alcohol on the night in question, uh, suggesting that he had uh, that his memory had been selectively magnified and that he had uh, previously sold his story to the press. So they tried to be like, yeah, you, you were too drunk, and you also gave the story away, and the story is different than the last time you told it, so... But it didn't work, obviously. Uh, so October 25th, 
The court heard testimony from two further men who had survived attempts by Nilsson to strangle them. The first was Paul Nobbs, uh, provided testimony with the prosecution asserting that uh, the prosecution asserted that was evidence of Nilsson's self-control and able, ability to refrain from homicidal impulses. Uh, so he was a university student. He testified that he accompanied Nilsson to Cranley Gardens for alcohol and sex and woke up in the uh, early hours of the morning with a terrible headache. Upon washing his face in Nilsson's bathroom, uh, as Nobbs noted, his eyes were bloodshot and his face completely red. Nilsson exclaimed, God, you look bloody awful. Uh, Nilsson then advised the youth to see a doctor. Nobbs had not reported the attack to police for fear of his sexuality being discovered. So he apparently got really, really drunk and uh was choked but not to the point of death and woke up because he had awful headache because he didn't have any oxygen um and his eyes were bloodshot because he'd been choked yeah so yeah so contrary to the prosecution claims the defense counsel asserted that Nobbs' testimony reflected Nilsson's rational self being unable to control his impulses. Uh, the, uh, the fact that Nilsson had selected a university student as a potential victim was different from the prosecution's claim that Nilsson was intentionally seeking uh, rootless males whose disappearance was unlikely to be noted. So he was originally looking at just kind of like vagrant people. Um, and this person was like, in a books like in books at like university like if this person was gone he's we're gonna know that he's gone so that was their defense was like well you said that you were look he was only looking at other so they were trying to say that that wasn't true which is stupid uh the defense honestly reading everything the defense did it was just like it, this is comical it really was just comical i mean there's not much they they, can there's do. not much they, yeah especially after confessions like oh yeah i definitely killed these 16 people and i took the police exactly to like where all this happened and showed them and told them all the places where all happened yeah exactly so immediately after the testimony of knobs uh, had concluded star uh, carl stotter uh took to the stand to recount how in may of 1982 nilson had attempted to strangle and drown him before bringing him back to life stotter's voice frequently quavered with emotion as he recounted how Nilsson had repeatedly attempted to drown him in his bathtub as he pleaded in vain for his life to be spared and how he later awoke to find Nilsson's dog licking his face. Uh, on several occasions, the judge had to allow Stoddard time to regain his composure. Uh, bitch, I'd be sobbing on that. If, if I had gotten to the point where I was at the absolute brink of death and I was only woken up to a dog licking my face, uh... I would be sobbing on that stand. Yeah. Uh, psychiatrists were called in. Surprise. Um, two were for the defense. Uh, and one said he was narcissistic and had an unidentified emotional disorder. While the other said that he uh, had schizoid tendencies and that Nilsson was able to keep them at bay most of the time, except when he was killing <laughs> Well, oh, that's so crazy. Uh, a third psychiatrist was called for the prosecution. He came in and he was like, uh, this guy is abnormal in the colloquial sense. He's saying he's weird, um, but that he is just manipulative and was able to create human bonds, but was just objectifying people instead, finishing that he did not have any disorders. <laughs> not any no that he would know. He had no disorders. He would just got to a point that he's like, I can bond with people. But at that point, he was like, I'm just seeing that as an object. And not as a person. 
following the closing arguments of both the prosecution and the defense, the jury retired to consider the verdict on November 3rd of 1983. The following day, the jury returned with a majority verdict of a of guilty upon six counts of murder and of one attempted murder with a unanimous verdict of guilty in relation to the attempted murder of Nobbs. Uh, the justice sentenced Nilsson to life imprisonment with a recommendation that he serve a minimum of 25 years in prison. He never filed for an appeal while he was there, accepting that uh, the crown, the crown's case, saying that he had had the capacity to control his actions and that he had killed with premeditation, uh, was essentially correct. Like, yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, he further elaborated on the day of his conviction that he took an enormous thrill from the, quote, social, social seduction, the getting the friend back, the decision to kill the body and its disposal. Uh, while he was in jail, this is a site, I didn't write any of this down, so I'm going to try and summarize as much as possible. He, while he was in jail, he apparently was a thorn in the police, uh, in the prison system side because he reported everything that happened to him in while he was in jail like he wasn't he wasn't appealing his case he liked being there but he was like i'm gonna make this better from the inside and so he like everything was reported everything was reported and he like people fucking hated him like the the like court system hated him because he just would like was well this isn't fair this isn't fair this isn't it like and some of his cases got him like in front of court to talk to them about the way that he's being treated in prison is fucking insane. Um, so things that happen to me are bad. Yeah, exactly. Oh, things that happen to you are bad, but you, you know, killing 15 or 16 people. Yeah. So, um, on May 10th of, uh, 2018, so four years ago, uh, Nilsson was taken to uh, a hospital after complaining of uh, severe stomach pains. He was found to have a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm, which was repaired, although that caused a blood clot uh, as a complication of surgery. So he died on May 12th of 2018. Uh, his body was cremated in June of 2018. His service was held with only five mourners present, including three prison officers and the individual with whom Nilsson had corresponded while in prison. No family members were there at the service, though his ashes were later handed to his family. In January of 2000, which I hope they just like... Here's a bag. Yeah, here, here's, here's this. Here's a bag of ashes from this man that killed everyone. Um, so January of 2021, a formal, former confidant of Nilsson's named Mark Austin revealed that there was an unedited version of the history of a drowning boy, which is a autobiography that he wrote that Nilsson wrote in prison, um, which was to be posthumously published by, uh, a publishing company. The autobiography was based upon 6,000 pages of typewritten notes that Nilsson authored while incarcerated, uh, which examines his life and crimes and is edited by Austin, who became a pen pal of Nilsson's in the years prior to his death, who exchanged more than 800 letters with him. This autobiography was published on January 21st of 2021. Um, I'm just saying that because I think that's weird as fuck. Uh, this man became a pin pal with him and like mind you he could be just like a press person but to exchange 800 letters with him it's probably one of those weird things where people Ted Bundy are with yeah person in prison person in prison a serial killer who did something crazy 
um, and wants to like, ooh, that's hot, like whatever, <laughs> nasty, exactly. <laughs> no, that's that's how, what, how I felt about that. And then he helped him, well, not helped him, but posthumously published his autobiography that he wanted to write. Yeah. So, there's that. There's Richard Nilsson. That was a lot, wasn't it? Richard Nilsson is what, a bastard. Was his name Richard Nilsson? Dennis Nilsson, sorry. Dennis Forgot Nilsen. his first name. I'm thinking about Richard Chase, which I did Dennis is short for Richard, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Uh, aren't you glad I split that up into two two parts? Aren't you glad I didn't say orange? <laughs> Banana. Nothing rhymes with orange. Everything rhymes with orange. Nothing rhymes with blue orange. No, it's fine. It's a Parks and Rec thing. I don't want any of your Parks and Rec references. Yes, you do. It's um, what makes me me. Well, uh, stop being like that, obviously. No. Um, of course, we'd up. love to thank our, our dearest friends. <laughs> Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Uh-huh. Let's Talk About Gay Stuff is the premier destination for LGBTQ+. Gay Stuff. LGBTQ+. Los plus, Gay Stuff. Um history current events and literature literature um you could find some gay person there is it you it's me you're there sometimes it's me mario you're there all the time i'm there all the time now so you want to listen to that check him out this is a great commercial that's let's talk about gay stuff at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about gay stuff at let's talk about gay stuff.com. Let's talk about gay stuff on Facebook and Instagram and talk gay stuff on Twitter. If you would like to send them an email, it's let's talk about gay stuff at gmail.com. That's good. That's a great commercial. Let's um, talk about gay stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Economy Works. They are a freelance talent network that connects professionals with project work. If you're a company that needs help writing job descriptions, conducting marketing analysis, or managing your social media platforms, Economy Works has an extensive talent network of freelance professionals ready to help you do more with less. Economy Works. When we work, Economy Works! Find out, fi- find out more about Economy Oops. Works at economyworks.com. That's E-C-O-N-O-M-I-W-O-R-K-S.com. Economy Works. That was much better than the other ones we did. That was fun. No. Um... That's our podcast. Yeah, you're listening to our Sweepy Podcast. Thanks for listening. You already got here. Keep doing keep doing it. So um Tell them to get Sweepy.